the nation as well as this country does not give us space in order to speak truth and to be believed. That's the bigger issue. People do not want to believe what we have to say because, again, we are at the bottom of the totem pole. You know, it's like, well, who are you? Well, no, she has to be lying in that type of manner. And so we aren't given the space in order to speak our truth, nor are we given the space in order to have someone be there to walk us through this so that God can truly heal us. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? This is Leroy Barb with the Sit Up Podcast, and uh, we are still here in Tampa and doing a series on innovation. Remember, you can hit us up on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast, and you can shoot questions to me at Leroy Barber on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Love to have you. So here are a few questions I have. Have you ever heard the term microchurch? Microchurch. Is micro church real church? What does that mean? Right? It uses innovative strategy. And so what is what is innovation? How does that break out? What is that what does that really mean? Right? That like like who who gets to say who's innovative and who isn't? I have a working definition uh, for innovation. And my working definition is innovation happens, right, at the intersection of difference. So innovation can have, you know, can look a lot of different ways, in my opinion. But we're going to talk about innovation. What is what is innovation? Who who are good mentors? What makes a good mentor? Right. Like, how do you how do you mentor someone? What do you look for? Do they look for you? Do you look for them? Right. Are they pouring into you? Do you put like, like, what is that relationship about? And how does that relationship go well? Right. I, I, I did some work in Portland with a group called Hala Mentors, um, who do who do culturally responsive mentorship. And I know they do it in a different way. They look at mentorship as a one-on-one give and take that you're learning from them and them learning from you. So let's talk a little, we're going to talk a little bit about mentorship today and see what that see see what we get from that. And then what does mentorship look like specifically for black girls? What what do black girls need? What are the what are the trust factors involved in mentoring black girls? What place in society do black girls hold? What does that look like? How are how are they treated? We know we know we know like we've seen black girls disappear. We've seen black girls get arrested. I think they're the lead like one of the leading growing. Uh, populations in prisons are we protecting our black girls in society what does affirmation look like how are black girls and women affirmed are these things we should be thinking about what do I do as a man in this space well 
Today we're going to be talking to Filet Ngamuto. Filet is, is from Cameroon and is the coaching coordinator here at the Underground Network. Filet does mentorship. She helps start micro churches, is a powerful, powerful leader. And has this global look at things. She is going uh, to lead us through today's conversation. My name is Leroy Barber. This is the Sit Up Podcast. Remember to hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and share it out so we can get the word out. Today's conversation is going to be led by our producer, Andrew Morgan. So stay tuned. To hear this great interview. The past can loom like shadows, keeping us afraid of the dark. Old wounds never die as soon as you wish they would. We're all born into struggle. No matter our skin tone, time zone, no matter the balance of the scale or our bank account, it's true. Life can bruise you. It can seem that nothing leaves a mark like wounds do, but the funny thing about wounds is given time to heal, they make the most beautiful tattoos. Some people call them scars. But in the eyes of the right beholder, they can be art. Love doesn't keep secrets. Love chooses to see. Forgiving and accepting that you've been forgiven can set you free. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath. Counts of ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Welcome into the Sit Up Podcast. Andrew Morgan in for Leroy Barber. Once again, we are here at Tampa, Florida, and we are currently in, what's the name of this uh, facility? It's called The Hub. The Hub. And so what's the name of the, the ministry? It's called Underground. All right. And so the voice that you're hearing right now belongs to? Follett and Gangmuta. Okay. That's a beautiful name. Thank you very Where's much. The, what's the origins of that name? I'm Cameroonian. Okay. Now... Fill me in on that just a little bit before we get into this interview. What, what, where, give me some, some insight. Insights on Cameroon. So Cameroon's located next to Nigeria um, on the continent. Cameroon is basically called mini Africa because we have every type of terrain that there is in Africa we have in Cameroon. It is right on the Atlantic as well too. So everything from like grassland, savanna, desert to even like lava, black lava beaches. We have all of that as well. So that's right. Cameroon. How beautiful is it? You've been there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Many a times. Yeah. It's gorgeous. That's great. All right. So innovation is the key piece, like, you know, for the for the sit up podcast that we're covering here today. And so I'm asking this group of innovators to kind of come in and just tell us a little bit about themselves and what they do. So tell me a little bit about what you do here. So here at the Tampa Underground, I am in the coaching department. I am the coaching coordinator. So that basically means that whenever we get a new microchurch, either whether it starts from scratch or we have adopted in a microchurch, I am the one that is sending out multiple communications to welcome them, to also give them a coach as well too, because every point lead in every microchurch gets a coach. So we want to make sure that we resource them properly in order to see them succeed in the things that God has called them to do. So that's kind of what I do. 
What's a micro church? So a micro church is basically a, it's basically a small version of a church, right? So the, for our ecclesiology, we believe that you just need to be able to do worship, um, community and mission. If you have those three pieces, then you are the church. So you are not bound by building. You are not bound by like overhead. You are not bound by, um, even say one goal. So whatever, mission it is that God has put in your heart, we believe that that is the church. And though, and we call them micro churches just because they're usually smaller. Right. So how attracted are people to this model, like of doing the micro church and accepting what you just said? So people are very attracted because it's a decentralized model, which is usually, which is very different than the traditional church, which is a centralized model. Because we are decentralized, people are able to operate on their own. You do not have to worry about us either dictating to you how you should operate, us giving you rules and boundaries. That's not upon us. We believe that the Holy Spirit is able to take care of that for you in that type of way. Um, last year, we actually added on 41 new micro churches, and that is because that sounds not like a lot, or let me say it like that. I know that sounds like a lot, yeah. but usually in years past, we've added on more. We actually slowed down on purpose last year so that we could get some infrastructure things in order. So yeah, we have a lot of people asking about what it is that we do because people are looking for something different. Yeah. Now in other church plant models and denominations, they, they try to measure success. What do you guys do? Like, do you do that? Is there a, a measurement for success when it comes to micro churches? So, I mean, there is a measurement for success, but I think for us, we're not so concerned of like how many people have you saved? How many people have come through your micro church as much as it is? I think for us, our measurement is more so, are you being obedient to, to God? Are you, you know, going by what the spirit of God is leading you to do in that type of way? Yes, we can have checks and balances, you know, that's there. But success for us is not based upon the world's terms or even traditional church settings in that type of way. So our whole thing is, are you healthy? Are you thriving? Are you out there doing what it is that God's called you to do? Um, because truth be told, if we have to go off the true model of what, say, the church was or how Jesus operated, technically speaking, he really wasn't the most successful, right? <laughs> I mean, in the end, he basically went and told his disciples, are you going to be with me or you're not? And tons of people left. So yeah. I think we kind of go off of that where it's just like we're not so much concerned about the numbers as much as it is about the wealth, um, the health and well-being of each microchurch. That's great. What sizes can a, a church kind of balloon to before you're like, yo, you're not really micro right now anymore? <laughs> That's funny. OK, so basically size wise. So this is how it happens here. It's not really that you balloon to a certain size and then we don't consider you a microchurch. What tends to happen here is that once it grows to a certain size and that is determined upon each microchurch to figure that out, honestly, for themselves, they usually end up multiplying. So we end up using the multiplication factor. Mm. So some of our microchurches actually have multiple microchurches. Yeah. Say, for uh, instance, we have a microchurch called Beer and Bible. Beer and Bible actually has like three microchurches because they locate, they're located in three three different areas here in Tampa. Each of them are led by a different leader. So we don't look at it as you have to balloon before you are ca not called a microchurch. We will always call it a microchurch as much as it is we're looking for the multiplication factor, right? right. Because Jesus called us to go to the ends of the earth. So <laughs> this is our way of going to the ends of the earth that it doesn't have to stay in one place and like we're going to dump you. No, we're going to keep you. But are you able to multiply? That's good. That's good stuff. So how did you get involved? So I got involved, I came to the underground, it has been, oh gosh, um, eight years ago. So I got involved, honestly, because of a coworker. 
I was working at the mall at um, the loft and one of my coworkers ended up seeing me one day and while she was there, I actually had on the wrong shoes. So I had to go downstairs and like get them changed. I had on some like Adidas high tops. Threw me in my Adidas high tops. Apparently she felt like, oh, you're approachable. I can talk to you now. So through our <laughs> conversation in talking is how she ended up telling me about the underground because I was in transition. I was looking for something different from the former church that I was at. And she didn't really per se tell me about the underground as it was that she told me about a micro church that was a part of the underground. Okay. So through that way, I ended up then going to one of the micro churches and it was called Ubuntu at the time. And so I went to Ubuntu, I visited there a few times, and then I started liking what I saw and I decided to just get involved there. And from there is how then I ended up now figuring out what the underground was. So I really actually didn't come to the underground at first, I came through the microchurch. And through the microchurch, I then ended up coming to the underground and seeing, I was like, oh, wow, like you guys really do things differently. Um, and I like this. Ever since I've been here, I've stayed, I've been in, um, I was a part of Mama Africana for about five years, which is a mentoring program for black girls um, in middle school and high school. And I ended up even becoming an area director from there. And then I felt like God transitioned me out. And now I'm actually on staff on the underground. So yeah, my entrance was not through the traditional way as much as it was through the microchurch. You mentioned just a second ago that you you did work with with young black girls. Mm -hmm. How important is that right now uh, for us to to really surround and support and teach young black girls? It is of utmost importance because there is, I mean, truth be told, there is a war when it comes down to black girls and black girls' bodies. And I think that there always has been, but I feel like it's even that much more abrupt even now. Um, the girls that we worked with, of course, you know, some of them come from lower income homes, come from not the best of neighborhoods. And some of them, when you know, Every time we would meet, I couldn't tell you how many times the girls would end up talking about getting in fights. They are being targeted at school, not only by you know, each other because comparison is real, um, but they're also being targeted by the administration. They're the ones that are getting in trouble all the time, that are ending up in the principal's office, that are ending up on, that are ending up suspended as well too. And there are not enough of us around here to be able to pour back into them. We see within their families the brokenness and as well as the systemic injustice that's taking place with them. A lot of their parents have to work two and three jobs in order to keep food on the table or they're on government assistance or, you know, add on, whatever it is, you know? Um, and the way things are here in Tampa, the way they actually district out the schools has not been the greatest for our girls. So you have girls that are living in, say, Sulphur Springs. Sulphur Springs is not, quote unquote, on the map, they look at it as like, it's not the great area, right? But they end up busing them out to this school called Wharton. Wharton is located in basically um, a middle class, like a middle class, a middle high end class neighborhood with majority white kids. And then you'll have, of course, like the immigrant students that, is there, that are there as well too. So you're mixing in this population of black girls who are dealing with systemic issues all the time with rich white folk, literally, and even other immigrants as well too. And you're expecting them to just get along because they're going to school together. That's an improbability. And that's actually um, a recipe for disaster, which we have seen. So our girls end up getting targeted in these schools because, well, you're not, you don't measure up. You're not acting up to par. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And, our, and the administrators do not have the heart to see the image of God within these girls to understand the systemic issues instead of just judging them because they are black girls who do not speak properly, who, you know, have amazing heads on their shoulders, who are especially intelligent. But because their intelligence doesn't come out the way they want it to in this type of manner, they're being targeted. 
How important is it to create systems like after school programs and mentorship programs and and just schools in general for our, our, our girls and even our little boys to have? Like, have you seen that? Uh, need being met in this community and other communities? So, yeah, I do see that need being met through Mama Africana. um, That need is being met, but we are only one, you know, and there are a million young black girls out there who need um, the support as well, too. So we are just one. But in the one that we are doing, we have definitely see change. We have been able to see growth. We have been able to see girls being affirmed in who they are. We do not make them change. We accept them. And if anything, we affirm them to say, like, no, who God created you to be is good. Um, and to say that, you know, all that there is about you, your innovative thoughts, the way you think about things as well, too, it's good. And God wants this from you as well, too. So I've seen the importance of it. I've seen the um, greatness of what has taken place as well, too. I've seen the change take place. Give me a success story. Oh, goodness. Success story. Just any story that you're proud of and, you know, or, uh, where you've seen people overcome some hurdles just with that help, with a good word of uh, inspiration. You know, just any any case that you could think of. Uh, let's see. I have there are multiple girls that I can think of and that have come from ridiculous situations. I think one of my girls, I won't put her name out there just for the sake of. Um, mm-hmm. But one of my girls, I remember I was her mentor. And I had her from middle school all the way up to like her senior year. And when she came into middle school, you know, very attitude-ish, you can't tell me what to do, the whole nine, X, Y, Z, you know, um, would get in trouble in school, out of school, the whole nine, came from a very broken home, um, came from, she didn't live with her father, her parents were not together, she didn't live with her father, she lived with her mother and her stepfather. Stepfather was honestly abusive as well too, and she had little siblings as well, and I just remember her having to really like fight and navigate not only school life, but home life, and trying to figure it out, and her trying to also protect her younger siblings as well too from the atrocities that were taking place. She is someone who brings me such immense joy. And the reason why is because as she got into high school, I saw her progress. I saw her take in the lessons that we would, you know, give. I would meet with her as well, too, one-on-one, and we would end up going to places and talking and just sitting down. And I just remember digging in. And I remember coming to a point where I felt helpless because I'm just like, I don't know what to give you. The only thing I really have to give is Jesus. That's it. I don't have the answers. I remember crying with her in a car one day as I was taking her home because of a situation that took place. And I did not have the answer. I did not have the resources. But I prayed with her. Um, And through that, she continued on. And so as she entered into high school, she excelled. I mean, to the point where she was an ROTC. She ended up being the captain of her ROTC team. She was a cheerleader. She was doing that as well, too. She was just she was just doing so well. Um, Her senior year, she ended up getting pregnant. But the thing is this. She pushed forward and said, oh, no, I'm going to graduate. And she graduated. And not only did she graduate, she finished off and she finished off well. She, you know, the the young gentleman whom she was with and who is her child's father, they ended up getting married. And he's now doing his thing as well, too. And he's in the military and he's supporting her. And I see the joy in her heart to see where she has come from, where she came from and where she is to know that she's an amazing mom. She's an amazing mom. She's an amazing young girl, but she still has so much more way to go. And I know that she is going to continue to meet her goals because that's just who she is. I'm so glad you shared that story because often, you know, people leave out the that part of the narrative that, you know, things are hard, but but we make it. 
you know, and that, that's a beautiful story to share. Um, I've got a question for you in relation to some of the things that are going on in, in the media and how it relates back to some of the ministry work that you do. You know, we've got like the mute R. Kelly, Me Too, a lot of different things. How is seeing all of these images of women facing sexual trauma, how has that affected how you've gone into working with young ladies? So I so this is the thing. I'm no longer a part of Mama Africana, um, but being on staff now, and I think just the transition that God's taken me in, I mentor young women now. Right. And so I have two in particular that I mentor. And now seeing the whole Me Too movement, the mute R. Kelly, and what that does for me with the young ladies that I do mentor is that it, it bolsters me to affirm them even more and to allow them to have the space to develop and to speak their truth. Reason being is because that story, sadly enough, is like way too true in too many circles. Yeah, It's a part of my story as well too, right? The entire sexual assault. There are way too many of us as women who are going through this and especially as black women. And we do not, the nation as well as this country does not give us space in order to speak truth and to be believed. That's the bigger issue. People do not want to believe what we have to say because, again, we are at the bottom of the totem pole. You know, it's like, well, who are you? Well, no, she has to be lying in that type of manner. And so we aren't given the space in order to speak our truth, nor are we given the space in order to have someone be there to walk us through this so that God can truly heal us. So for me, it has been very important to see the mute R. Kelly to see the Me Too movement, because with the young ladies that I end up that I'm mentoring as well too, they have gone through some trauma as well too when it comes down to this, and this trauma is real. It is not something that we were making up whatsoever. I've had conversations with even um, other gentlemen, and I remember the one question I asked because a gentleman was talking about like Bill Cosby and and you know um, Brett Kavanaugh, and was just like you know. You know, why Why did it take so long for women to speak up? Why all, all of these questions? And I asked him one simple question. I was like, what's your end goal? What do you want out of this? And in the mm-hmm. end, he couldn't really tell me what he wanted out of this other than yeah. he just didn't want men to be accused of something that they didn't do. And I said, okay, have you ever been through a situation like this? And he ended up talking about it and saying, well, you know, because I was going through something and someone accused me of something false, X, Y, and Z. Okay, I get it. So I told him, I said, what will women gain from this if they are speaking this truth? What do they have to gain? What's the end goal yeah. for them? And he was just like, in the end, he couldn't say. He was just like, really nothing. I said, so then why would we put ourselves out there to speak this truth if we know in the end we're going to gain nothing? Yes. He could not answer. And that is the thing, though, that made him stop and pause to really think yeah. to say, Okay, wow. So they may they, so they're probably telling the truth and I said, "Yes, we have nothing to gain." And I said, and "Especially as black women, we really don't have anything to gain." On a, on a national level in that type of way, right? With the spotlight. I said because we are the ones who ended up getting talked down on, dismissed, um, looked at like you're crazy. Then of course people want to say, well, what is it that she did? What was she wearing? Why was she there, right? All blame gets put on us. But in this movement, And because of me mentoring these young girls, I am able to give them or to affirm them to have voice because voice is the thing that is going to change 
um, these narratives, to change their own narratives and to claim back themselves, to say, this is who I am. This is who God made me to be. And that it is okay that, I don't want to say it is okay that I've been through this, but it is okay for the sake that God is still here, present and good and will continue to carry me through. I have seen change within these two young ladies that I mentor for the sake of walking alongside them and affirming them that they are not crazy for the things that they have gone through and that it is not their fault for the things that they have gone through to say, and God wants to heal that. I can look at them and say, sis, look, it's all right. God wants to heal that. You are not some Jezebel. You are not some crazy woman. You are not some whatever trash that people want to think that you are. You have a voice, you have purpose, and it is good. And so for me, this is why I feel like it is absolutely important that we need to speak about about this stuff because um, some of the assaults that take place with any of this have happened within the church and within you know, yeah. the clergy. It has happened here within our own house. This is the stuff that's going on within God's own house. We always want to point our hands to the world and, and shake our fingers and say, how could you? But we don't want to take a mirror back onto ourselves and say, but what's happening here within the church? God, what's going on with your people? And I know that God has a special place in his heart for black women. Yeah. I do. I feel like he has a special place in his heart for black women because of the things that we have gone through. And it is true for the sake of what we have been through when it comes down to slavery, that we were made to be um, bearers, literally, that we are over here to be producers. That's what we were meant to be um, on, on the plantations that white men were raping black women left and right. And so it's just like, I feel like God has a special place because I feel like this is something that he wants to heal. It is being passed down generationally. These things are real and legit. But I feel like we are the ones who can put a stop to it if we decide to stop playing, stop being fake and actually call a spade a spade. But as well as affirming, though, our black sisters to say, it's okay. God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. And he wants to heal you. And he wants to do something about this because these systems are real. Oh, that's great. That's great. You have a voice and you're using it. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Is there anything, um, if someone wants to uh, be involved with what you're doing uh, here with Underground, is there a way that you want them to connect with you or connect with the system uh, that you want to share before we close out? Sure. I mean, you can always come to TampaUnderground.com and check us out there. You can see all the different departments we have, the resources, um, the wealth of knowledge that is free and available unto you as well, too. Um, there is Catalyst on Sundays that we do here at the University Mall um, within our theater space as well, too. That starts at 1030. And if you want to just connect with us in the coaching department, because we also, we also do offer coaching, not just for our ministry leaders here, but also for the outside, for like, a nominal fee you can go to ug coach i think it's ugcoach.com um or you can email me my name is fule which is f-u-l-e-i at tampaunderground.com all right thank you so much for joining us on the sit up podcast Let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, let's begin. Let's begin.